46. <clears throat> and uh, begin reading with verse 9. Remember the former things long past, for I am God and there is no other. I am God, there is no one like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things which have not been done, saying, My purpose will be established, and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. Especially declaring the end from the beginning. And then if you would turn to the book of Revelation, chapter 21, or 22, twenty-two thirteen. Christ speaking says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Since we are just about to complete our reading of Martin Lloyd-Jones' book, uh, The Gospel in Genesis, in our home meetings, I thought it might be profitable to make a brief examination of the early chapters of Genesis in light of the final few chapters of the book of Revelation. There are amazing correlations uh, between those first chapters, particularly the first three chapters of the book of, Re of uh, Genesis and the last three chapters of the book of the Revelation. It's amazing how many things that are introduced in the beginning of history are brought up again at the consummation of all things. Um, actually, I gave uh, this study uh, many years ago, and uh, it just came to mind as I was thinking over uh, some of the things that uh, we've been reading there in the Gospel in Genesis. So uh, just, just to realize that history, all of history, is an unfolding of the eternal purposes of God. Uh, Genesis, which is the book of beginnings, uh, introduces God's eternal purposes. Revelation, the book of last things, shows God's completion of his purposes in this world and then the bringing in of the new heavens and the new earth. So if you want to try to follow along here, which I hope you will, it's going to take a bunch of flipping back and forth, but it's not going to be all over the Bible going to be at the first few pages and the last few pages. So just kind of keep, keep a finger at the beginning and end and you'll be all right. Um, I do want to acknowledge that uh, most of these references have been gleaned from other men's writings. Uh, there's, uh, I think, maybe the first person that I ever, the first book that I ever uh, noticed this in or some of these thoughts in was Haley's Bible Handbook. Uh, but I've seen this type of thing in a number of places since then. And uh, many Christians have pointed out just uh, the amazing correlation and comparison between these early chapters and the last chapters in the Bible. Part One of the things that they point out that this shows is the amazing unity of the Scriptures. Because here you have something written um, 1,500, years apart. Um, as far as the beginning and end of uh, who, uh, Moses and here uh, John in Revelation. And yet 
speaking about the same things and uh, using many of the same symbols and, and references. So uh, just, just to say that uh, these comparisons are not original with me, although maybe some of the wording, uh, the way I've uh, arranged them here is. So obviously the place to begin is the first verse in Genesis. <clears throat> and we've already, I've already made reference to this one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So you have God starting out here with creation out of nothing. And when we come then to the last book in the Bible, that tells us of God creating a new heavens and a new earth. If you turn to Revelation chapter 21, and this is what we'll be doing a bunch, just flipping back and forth here. Chapter 21 and uh, verse 1. And I saw a new heavens and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away. That one that was made way back then passed away. So, First correlation. Next, um, in just keep your hand kind of there in in Revelation. Back in Genesis, uh, you have verse five, which says, "And God called the light day, and the darkness He called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, one day." So you see the beginning of the day and night cycle: light and darkness. Well, if you flip then over to the book of Revelation, chapter 22, verse 5, you see that that is going to be changed. He says in 22, verse 5, And there shall no longer be any night. So that cycle of light and darkness, day and night, is going to come to an end. There shall no longer be any night, the end of that day-night cycle. Then if you look at verse 9 and 10 in Gen back in Genesis chapter 1 9 and 10 God said let the waters below the heavens be gathered into one place and let the dry land appear and it was so and God called the dry land earth and the gathering of the waters he called seas and God saw that it was good so the waters are gathered together to form seas now if you turn to um, Revelation 21 and verse 1. Now, we already read the first part of the verse, but at the end of the verse it says there is no longer any sea. So God made the seas, but in, in the new heavens and new earth there will be, it says no longer any sea. Now why, why would that be? Well, the sea represents darkness and mystery and danger. In fact, you even see that coming out back in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. The waters were called the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the water. So already you have this, this concept of darkness and mystery and even danger, I think. Uh, it comes out uh, a lot in the Scriptures as far as ancient mankind was concerned. The seas represented those type of things. And so God says there's not going to be any more of that. No more of this 
darkness, this mystery, this danger. That's all gone. There will be no more sea. Now, actually, I think there's much more here related to the demonic realm that we don't understand in terms of, of the waters and the sea. Uh, I can't, well, since we don't understand it, I can't speak on it. <laughs> but there's something there that's worth digging into more. Uh, uh, when you read about Leviathan, the twisted serpent in the sea, and uh, there's, uh, there's more here than uh, meets the eye initially. But anyway, just to make this point uh, right now is that God says no more sea uh, in the new heavens and new earth. Uh, next, God establishes the sun and moon to give light for the day and night. Back in Genesis chapter 1, verse 16, and God made the two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night, of course that's the sun and the moon, made the stars also. And God placed them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth and to govern the day and the night and to separate light from darkness. God saw that it was good. So he establishes especially the sun and moon to give light uh, in the day and the night. And again, this is somewhat related to the second thing we mentioned uh, from verse 5. God called the light day and the darkness night. It's related to that one. But I think there's a little more here. But we, we do see this in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 23. 21-23, it says this, um, And the city has no need of the sun or the moon to shine upon it, for the glory of God has illumined it, and its lamp is the Lamb. So no sun and moon. We get all the light we need from God uh, in the new heavens and new earth. Next. In Genesis, mankind, that is, male and female, are created in God's image. And they are to rule over uh, the rest of creation, over the created realm, under God. That was the, the way they were created to be. A position that actually was lost because of sin. We'll go into that later. But uh, they were created in God's image to rule over the created realm. So you see that in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them, that is male and female, let them rule over the fish of the seas, over the birds of the sky, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him, male and female he created them. And he blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fishes of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So there's a situation man created to rule and reign in this created realm under God. Of course, when they fell, uh, it seems what happened is that Satan basically took over that position. He's, he's the... The, the one in dominion over this worldly realm, this worldly system right now. But that is not going to be the case uh, when God recreates. Uh, in Revelation, we see man's position restored 
the, the position that they were created for, restored to God's people. Revelation 22, verse 5, um, at the end of the verse there, it says, There shall no longer be any night. There shall no longer be needed the light of the lamp, nor the light of the sun, because the Lord God shall illumine them, and they shall, rule, shall reign forever and ever. So there are God's people restored to the position they should be in, reigning forever and ever. Um, you see that in uh, verse 3. That's who he's talking about. Up in verse 3, he's talking about his bondservants shall serve him. You see that at the end of verse 3. So that's who he's talking about. Uh, they shall reign upon the earth. We're told that in Chapter 5, verse 10 of Revelation. They, that is God's people, shall reign upon the earth. So back to that original position that God made us in, that, that we lost because of the fall, that Satan took over, but now back in that position. Uh, next. In Eden, there was the tree of life. Genesis chapter 2, verse 9. And out of the ground the Lord God caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also is in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So there is this tree of life in Eden. But you see the tree of life again in heaven. Revelation chapter 22 and verse 2 says this. Um, On either side of the river was the tree of life bearing twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of nations. So here's this tree of life. What you don't see in heaven is there's no tree of the knowledge of good and evil because the time of testing's over. That's, that was for this present world, not in heaven. So the tree of life is there. Next, you see that there's a river that flows out of Eden providing water. And uh, that, back in Genesis chapter 2, verse 10, now a river flowed out of Eden to water the garden. And from there it was divided into four rivers. But you have this river providing life-giving water for the garden. If you turn to Revelation chapter 22 and verse 1, it says, He showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb. So here you have this river of life there in heaven. Next, in Genesis, you see God giving the first Adam a bride. Genesis chapter 2, verse 22. Um, And the Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from man and brought her to him, to, to man. And man said, This now is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this cause a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So you have... Uh, I guess you'd say basically the first wedding uh, and God's the one that performed it. Uh, God giving the first Adam a bride. 
In Revelation, you see God giving the last Adam his bride. Revelation chapter 21 and verse 2. 21 verse 2. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. So there's the bride adorned for her husband. But you might ask, well, who is that husband? Um, Well, if you turn over to verse 9, you see at the end of verse 9 in chapter 21, Come here, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. The husband is the Lamb, which is, of course, Christ. So you have God giving the last Adam his bride. Um, You see that again just a little bit. uh, Well, actually, it's clear in chapter 19, Revelation 19, verse 7. Let us rejoice and be glad and give glory to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. And it was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. So you have here then this uh, bride for the Lamb and the marriage supper of the Lamb. Uh, Back in Genesis then. In Genesis... We see the serpent of old, the devil, deceiving mankind. Chapter 3, verse 1, Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, as God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden. So here's the deception coming in from the devil. In Revelation, you see the devil who deceived mankind thrown into the lake of fire. Revelation 20, verse 10. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are also, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So deception begun in the garden and the deceiver destroyed in the book of Revelation. In Genesis, we see Adam and Eve after they sinned, trying to cover their nakedness with fig leaves. Um, Chapter 3 of Genesis, verse 6 and 7. It says, When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate, and she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. And their eyes, and the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, fig leaves together, and made themselves loin coverings. So you see Adam and Eve trying to cover their nakedness with fig leaves. Later, God covers them with garments of skin presumably from an animal that was killed. But in the book of Revelation, we see God's people in clean robes. Revelation 22:14. Revelation 22:14. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may be may, may have the right to the tree of life and may enter in by the gates of the city. So here's 
people who are blessed because they have on clean robes and says they wash their robes. Now, the question should be, how did they wash them? Well, actually, you have to go a little bit further back in Revelation to find that out, but it's very clear in Revelation 7:14. it says this at the end of the verse. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So their robes are clean and bright and white because they're washed in the blood of the Lamb. I wonder if those garments of skin back there for Adam and Eve were skins from a lamb. We're not told, but it would certainly fit the typology very well. All right, back to Genesis. After the fall, we see Adam and Eve seeking to hide from God's presence. Chapter 3, verse 8, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Why did they do that? Because the fig leaves didn't get the job done. They obviously knew that this was not sufficient, so they hid themselves. In the book of Revelation, we see God's people delighting to be in God's presence. Instead of running and hiding, they are delighting to be in God's presence again. Revelation 21 and verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he shall dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be among them. Totally different situation than what it was like after the fall there with Adam and Eve. Um, in Revelation 22:4, we're told, They shall serve him and shall see his face. So instead of running from him, they're serving him serving God, God's people, and they shall see his face. In Genesis, back in Genesis, chapter 3, verse 15, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head, you shall bruise him on the heel. So in Genesis 3:15, we see the first promise of one who would defeat the work of the devil. Many more promises throughout the scripture, but this is the first one. One who would defeat the work of the devil. In the, Re- in the book of Revelation, we see this over and over again, that Christ is the victor, that he is the king of kings and lord of lords, putting down all opposition. In chapter 20, verse 10, we've already uh, looked at this. The devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. So Satan defeated. The devil was thrown into the lake of fire. Back in chapter 19, verse 11, it says, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat upon it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and wages war. war. And his eyes are a flame of fire. Upon his head are many diadems. And he has a name written upon him which no one knows except himself. And it goes on and describes uh, the Christ here. He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood. And his name shall be called the Word of God. But then if you just skip down, we're told that he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God Almighty. 
and on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. All opposition is taken care of, and just as was promised clear back there in Genesis 3.15. Next, back in Genesis 3.16, we see pain is introduced into the fallen world. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain you shall bring forth children, yet your desire shall be for your husband. So pain introduced into this fallen world. In Genesis, or in Revelation chapter 21, we see that uh, in verse 4, it says, There shall no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. So pain is removed from God's new creation. In Genesis 3.17, we see the curse pronounced. Then Then to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat from it, cursed. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. And it goes on, and thorns and uh, thistles that shall grow. So the curse is pronounced in Genesis. But the curse is removed in Revelation 22, verse 3. It says, um, And there shall no longer be any curse. No longer any curse. And then... In Genesis 3.19, you see that death was decreed back after the fall. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, because from it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. In other words, death is going to overtake you. But in Revelation we see death destroyed. Revelation 20.14 says this, And death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. Verse, uh, chapter 21, verse 4. He shall wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall no longer be any death. So, death destroyed. Death decreed. After the fall in Genesis, death destroyed in the last chapters of Revelation. And then in Genesis 3.24, we see access to the tree of life is denied to mankind. So he drove man out, and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he stationed a cherubim and the flaming sword which turned every direction to guard the way to the tree of life. So, access to the tree denied, a cherubim placed there, stationed there, to keep mankind out. But in Revelation 22.14, we see that mankind, those of God's people, are given the right to the tree of life. Let's look to uh, Revelation 22:14. 14. 
Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and they may enter enter by the gates into the city. Now that's, that's an interesting thing. The gates are opened in this city and there's more than one. If you skip over, uh, look at uh, verse... 21.12. Speaking of this city here, it had a great and high wall with 12 gates and at the gates 12 angels. So there's angels at the gate similar to the cherub at the, at the garden, uh, stationed there at the garden, but this is different. There's 12 angels at these 12 gates and... Uh, What's different? Well, one thing that's different is that we're told in verse uh, 25, 21-25, its gates shall never be closed. The other thing that's different is that these angels don't have a flaming sword. The reason they don't is because they are there to welcome God's people in, not to keep people out. It says, Twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and names are written on them, which are those of the twelve tribes of the sons of Israel. So these angels have a different function. They're welcoming God's people and the gates are open for those who have put their trust in Christ. Well, I'm sure that there are many more things that could be said along these lines from these opening chapters and closing chapters of Revelation. And if you go on into Genesis, you read more things that are brought up in the book of Revelation and other places, but particularly I just wanted to zero in on the first three and last three chapters. Uh, but let me close with this thought. Paradise was lost because of sin. But God's plan was always that paradise would be restored. And it would be restored through his son. It would be restored never to be lost again. For all who believe in Christ, the gates are open. And the exhortation that we should get come away with from this book of Revelation is don't stay outside. The gates are open. Don't stay outside. We're told this in Revelation 22:15. Outside are the dogs and the sorcerers and the immoral persons and the murderers and the idolaters and everyone who loves and practices lying. We're also told that outside are the cowardly and the unbelieving and the abominable, and murderers, and immoral persons, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars. And those will all have their part in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death, the place that God made for the devil. If you're going to continue to listen to his lie, hath God said, you shall not surely die. If you continue to listen to those lies, you'll end up in the same place that God made for the great deceiver. But don't stay outside. Come to Christ. And this is the way 
Revelation, the book of Revelation ends. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and let the one who hears say, Come, and let the one who is thirsty come, and let him who wishes take from the water of life without cost. Paradise lost can be paradise regained for those who will come to Christ. The sorrow of paradise lost can be for anyone who will put their trust in Christ, the joy of paradise regained, and it will be a far greater joy than what Adam and Eve even lost, what God has given in Christ. So just a few uh, comparisons with these two sections, the first chapters of the Bible and the last chapters of the Bible. Well, I was thinking as Dick was speaking how thankful we can be <clears throat> that there's no tree of the knowledge of good and evil in Revelation. If that tree was there, it would forever represent the possibility of losing everything. And uh, the probation is passed for believers because the second Adam succeeded. And uh, we can see so clearly the need for Christ to obey as a man just from the fact that that tree is not there anymore. He had to win where Adam lost, and uh, he did, and so that tree is not there. Um, how does Zinzendorf say about uh, uh, this spotless robe, the same appears when ruined nature sinks in years. The robe, the robe of Christ's righteousness. Any final announcements?